Brace yourselves, everyone. Sunday School Bonanza is back in the house. We are here to go over a gospel doctrine lesson for you and with you, and ideally help you get more out of your Sunday. Whether you're preparing as a student or as a teacher, or you might have a calling that, that keeps you from going to gospel doctrine, whatever it might be, uh, we hope this, these few minutes are of use to you and getting your mind around these spiritual things because we know none of you are going to read the student manual. <laughs> and they still pass them out for some reason. Like we're, just, we're just killing trees right and left, buddy. I don't even know. Anyway, uh, my co-host this week, once again, Kurt Frankham from LeadingLDS.org is here with us. Yo, 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 Jeff. Thanks for having me back. Kurt is such a great guy. He actually canceled steak temple recommend interviews to do this. Oh, yeah. That's right. No, I'm doing it at the same time. So (laughs) if if you hear hear 15 questions in the background, just ignore that. A bunch of yeses and nos. uh, (laughs) You know, that's uh, that's the commitment I have to Sunday School Bonanza. I recently renewed mine, and I'm always tempted when I'm in there to, I don't know, put on a game face, like like maybe make like an unbroken gaze with the stake presidency member. You know, just it, stare, like just stare him in the eye and just be like, absolutely. I, you know, you I talk know. with, I've talked with other bishops or stake presidency members that uh, memorize all the questions so that they can, mm-hmm. they can glare at the person and I just can't do it. I, I mean, I probably could recite them since it's I've said so them so much, uncomfortable, but right? let's not like, make this more uncomfortable than it has to be. You know, I'll like look at you they... after each question, you tell me yes or no, and I'll read the next question. Yeah, I like it when they ask me if there's like, if I owe any money to like a spouse. <laughs> I mean, that's a real hey, thing for ask people. Them. I'm not knocking it. it. I just figured, no, well, I'm, a... yeah, I mean, I owe my wife money because she needs things. <laughs> and I'm, with, I'm withholding. But at Anywho. the same time, don't be the person who like says the the, the silly jokes during the thing. I mean, everybody thinks oh, they're you mean being like the, cute. You mean like and, when when they ask about apostate groups, and you're like, "Well, I am a Democrat." And that's right. Yes, <laughs> that just get on with the interview. They've heard them a thousand times. <laughs> They've got things to do, people. Come on. <laughs> that's right. There's a line All right, outside. So, anyway, our lesson this week is lesson seven: the first principles and ordinances of the gospel. So, basically, we're in the fourth article of faith, everybody, and this this might shock you. But we will be going through, essentially, the four parts of that article of faith in lesson form. Yeah! So, so to kick it off, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the first you gotta principle have of faith. the gospel. The first principle of the gospel. The question is, how many principles do we actually have in the gospel? Yeah. So we know that faith and repentance are the basic two first principles, but then baptism and the Holy Ghost are the ordinances, correct? So. Yeah. What are the second principles, right? Is that what you're asking? Well, I think the second principle is repentance is a principle, because repentance is not an ordinance, you know. Right. It's a, well, it's I, a I principle. know, but well, these are the first principles. So I'm saying, like, yeah. what's the second set of principles? Oh, like the, That's what the I mean. when you. I don't know. I'll leave that to the listeners. We'll leave it to Hugh Nibley to figure that out. Oh, give me some Hugh. Love old Hugh. <laughs> um, faith seems like a very obvious topic, and yet I think there's so much we can do to discuss it and understand it better. Um, Because it's easy to take faith for granted. It's easy to assume that faith will cultivate itself, perhaps. Uh, Sometimes it's easy to rest on faith-building experiences that we've had in the past without refilling the tank. And then when when we rock the boat a little bit, I've got mixed metaphors all over the place, but then when when (laughs) we rock the boat, we might find ourselves in a difficult or precarious situation because we haven't nurtured our faith. We can't always dip into the reserves. They're there for a reason, but um, we need to actively pursue new fulfilling experiences that'll, that'll help us out. So 
basically the first question I want to give to you, Kurt, though. Let's what hear it. is faith? What is faith? Give me the very a very simple description. Oh what man. Is faith? Well, uh, you know, in my life, but faith don't give is... me the Hebrews description. Give me something better. <laughs> you know, in my life, faith is uh, simply just you know moving forward when when things seem uncertain or you know trusting. You know, the faith that 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 uh, that renewing. Uh, power of the atonement of you know when I do make a mistake, having faith that I don't have to I don't have to worry about that anymore. You know I've gone through the process, I've repented, I've you know participated in ordinances, and knowing that I can move forward with the with the confidence that uh, that I'm clean, that that those sins are no longer mo- mine, that they've uh, you know yeah. they've been transferred uh, through the atonement, and and I'm I'm good. So uh, as far as faith in Jesus Christ, that's that's what it is for me, and it's it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's, trusting God in many ways to me is a great way to explain yeah. faith. Because we have, like you say, we want to repent, we want to believe in these things, but we trust that God exists and that he is going to do those things for us. That as we repent, as we strive to uh, engage in ordinances, that we will be exalted and that he will be with us. We have faith that that God is there. That a being whom we can't see or don't see for now um, we don't see that we can feel that we likely don't have audible experiences hearing or anything like that. And yet we have faith in those things. And because we don't know, it, it's a fine line because we say, you know, we don't know of a surety. That's why we have faith. And yet faith can be edified and built up in such a way that we do not need to doubt. I do think that's right. a very fine line, right? Because yeah. I think there's always an element of faith. Like I always have, despite my belief in testimony, I still have have to cling on to the hope and the faith I have that these things will come to pass as I yeah. believe that And there's they there's will. there's good days and there's bad days, right? It's not that your faith is you've reached a level and and you're you're set there, you know. There's well, constant uh, nourishment. And I'll be honest here, like I I've uh, I talked about this once with my wife, and it's kind of embarrassing in a way, but like I still greatly fear death. Even though I I have a testimony of eternal families <laughs> and that we exist, there's this little nagging part of me. It's like, yeah, but what if you die and that's still it? Like what if something happened? <laughs> like you and show up and or or you you don't show up. You're just you're just out. And so like I, I'm some like there's been times when I've almost been at like a Voldemort level of fearing death. Right? <laughs> I'm looking to find a way to make a Horcrux <laughs> without the murder. But you know, but 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 faith is a beautiful thing because we can overcome these fears right. and we demonstrate our faith, of course, by obeying the commandments and taking action. Our, there's Our good works, yes. Faith is a principle of action and power. I've heard Elder Bednar say that yeah. countless times. Mm. And and that's what it is. Faith without action is effectively rendered moot. And mm-hmm. we have to act upon the faith that we have to strengthen it. And then it grows like anything else. It's a muscle. Man, you got to exercise that faith. And then it gets bigger. And we'll never be perfect, but that's the beauty of faith. And if we have, and we have, if we have faith, Jeff, that leads us to repent. Am I right? Am I right? Um, I would like and, and to think this, so, yes. And this is, you know, I had a few years uh, serving as a bishop in the past, and it always broke my heart when individuals had faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ for other people. But they, ah, when it came to themselves yeah. and, and really feeling forgiven for what they've done for themselves, uh, they, they lack that faith, and it, it always broke my heart. Um, but nonetheless, you know— and it always brings us, you know, we always take faith as something very simple. It takes me back to my time as a young child, Jeff, when I went to Disney on Ice. Now, stay with me here. This is going, I promise I'll, oh, I'll bring I'm, us back I'm, here. I'm more with you than I <laughs> and, was And before, on the so ice I'm, was uh, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell, and, and Tinkerbell got hurt or something, and she was dying. And, and so Peter Pan encouraged the whole stadium to clap 
to bring her back. And sometimes sure. we think of faith that way. As long as we can just say, yep, I believe, or sure, or I'll just clap my hands and things are real, you know, that's sometimes not enough. We have to take action, and, and repentance is definitely a hard action that must take place. And, and as it says in the, in the lesson here, President Benson explained, repentance means more than simply a reformation of behavior. True repentance mm-hmm. is based on on and flows from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. True repentance involves a change of heart and not just a change of behavior. And and definitely from my time in my life repenting uh, from various things, I leave, I know I've truly repented when I walk away from, from those instances as a changed person, knowing that I, not only do I regret what I did, but I never want to do it again. And, and it's funny, because let me posit something to you, building on that, because I do believe that we can change in that sense, but I also think that for many people, there will be things that will always tempt us, and there mm-hmm. will be things that even as we repent of them, we could still be susceptible to those things that have ailed us in the past, which is very interesting, and I don't think that that's wrong. Maybe I'm yeah. off base here, but I don't think that that's wrong, because I think the strength of some, or the demonstration of faith and of a strong individual who understands the atonement and repentance is that we've learned our own... Uh, physical or spiritual calibration, yeah. and we know how to respond accordingly. I, I, I forget the. I'll paraphrase the adage, but you know, the person, uh, the, the stronger person, is the one who has weathered temptation and not succumbed, rather than mm-hmm. the one who doesn't has never felt temptation, for example. And uh, ideally, of course, we overcome these things. And sometimes I think it's maybe that we don't overcome them, and that we never feel the desire or the temptation ever again, but we kind of know better. Like we have enough faith in Christ that we say, no, I know what to avoid and I believe enough and care enough about these things that I'm going to act righteously because yeah. that is what, because that's what I, that is the the sweet fruit that I want to taste from here on out. I don't want yeah. to taste the bitter fruit of anguish. <laughs> and, I, and I think um, if we, we always strive for those moments where we don't have any desire to sin, you know, as we for read, sure. read yeah. in Mosiah, the King Benjamin, you know, discourse after people heard that, they said they didn't even have a desire to sin. And, you know, I think we've all left meetings or had experiences uh, with the, the Holy Spirit and, you know, whatever it is, and and really had those moments of being, you know, I, I don't even want to sin anymore. But then, you know, yeah, life yeah. comes back and the desires are still there. But uh, we keep them in check and, and keep striving for those moments when when we can get back to that spot of not even desiring it. Yeah, for sure. I find that in life, there are always going to be vacuums in one way or another. And we have yeah. to choose what we... What we use to fill that vacuum, yeah. and it, and it's like it's so it seems so simple, but if we just work hard and try to fill our vacuums and try to fill our life with righteous things, we don't leave the space in there for those other de- you know iniquitous desires to develop, and I think that's a huge part of it. Like we can't expect that if we were to repent, and but then we don't. <clears throat> spend time in spiritual pursuits and let ourselves slip into lethargy or bad habits, we'll make ourselves weaker and we won't feel as strong or as close to the spirit yeah. because, you know, if we need to choose how we fill our time. Yeah. This, <laughs> is, a, this is a main reason I do Sunday School Bonanza because uh, <sighs> you, you wouldn't want to know the other podcasts asking me to, to co-host. So this one's a, a good sure, one. So, sure, sure. so it's a good, good <laughs> thing to fill the vacuum in my life. <laughs> I guess the last thing on repentance is it troubles me, and you've seen this, I'm sure, as a bishop, but... I don't believe it is given to us from a punitive God. You know, repentance mm-hmm. is given to us as a tool because God loves us, because he knows that because of spiritual and physical death, we are fallible and we need a savior to, to redeem us and bridge the gap. And repentance is this tool so that we can be clean and be in our father's presence again. Like it's so much a tool of love. And I think so often it gets, 
vilified because we view it like, well, you screwed up and you're dirty, you know, so now you have to repent and that's a drag <laughs> and you got to talk. To the, yeah. Like, it's really easy to view it as this like difficult and it can be a difficult thing, but like as a negative, difficult experience. And while it might be very difficult at times, it's from a loving God. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, I feel like we could end it here. But then if you repent, <clears throat> the first ordinance, the first ordinance of the gospel, the first thing we do is we get baptized. Now, Kurt, how would you explain an ordinance to someone? Pretend I have no knowledge of spiritual hmm. things. Oof. How do you explain an ordinance and why? What, why? What you know, you I, I would say it's, a, it's an action that one can take to make higher commitments that will allow them and give them the power to keep those higher commitments. Yeah, I would say it's a vehicle by yeah, which vehicle's we, enter, nice. we, we enter into covenants with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I think we do do it because of the symbolism and other things. Because why couldn't someone just say, well, I just promised X, Y, and Z. Cool. You good? You good, right? But, I, but there's symbolism yeah. there and it requires action. And baptism is that first one. It's the first ordinance in general and it's the first saving ordinance, of course. Um, yeah. And there are numerous purposes behind baptism. You know, showing our commitment to God. Of course, we want to be washed clean of our sins. It helps us become members of the church. Uh, a number of things. And of course, it's also, like we said, the first ordinance. So it's the first step you take as far as other ordinances and commitments we make to Heavenly Father. And there are interesting qualifications for one to be baptized, but I think they're pretty, you know, straightforward. You have to be humble before God, desire to be baptized, have a contrite spirit, repent of your sins, be willing to take upon yourself the name of Christ and serve him. And you can be baptized. And I'm an even bigger lover of Mosiah 18, which I think is mm-hmm. one of the most wonderful chapters. Where it talks about especially, you know, being uh, of, of one people in the fold of God, but also, you know, mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort, stand as a witness of God in all times and in all things. And I really think that that speaks to the Savior's example, because his ministry was exactly about that, about comforting those who needed comfort and showing them the way to find greater happiness and cleanliness. And we find throughout the Savior's ministry, how often does he forgive people of sins? It's interesting, rather than saying, you know, it's not, hey, I'm just going to heal you, it's thy sins are forgiven thee. And there's there's great symbolism there. And of course, Christ was baptized even though he was perfect. We do it because Christ set the example for us, and we need to do so under proper authority. So, great ordinance. Good job, baptism. And that leads us into the <laughs> ordinance of confirmation. <laughs> we received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this one, you know, in this section, uh, there is, it lists the uh, the purposes of, uh, what, what the functions, the better word there, functions of the, yeah. the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Um, it, he's a teacher. He is a comforter. He is a testifier. He leads us to do good. He enlightens our minds and fills our souls with joy. Through him, we are sanctified. He inspires us in where to go, what to do, and what to say. And I really feel like the 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 biggest uh, emphasis that's missed that 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 needs more that needs more uh, focus is this idea of the the Holy Ghost being the sanctifier. Um, you know, you go to any yeah. child's baptism, and they're saying, "Oh, you're going to have this, you know, imaginary friend with you, or this guide that's always with you." But really, I mean, the, to me, the more powerful message of the the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is you will have a cleansing agent. That that sacrament on Sunday won't just be bread and water to you anymore. It will, through renewing this ordinance, you it will cleanse you and sanctify you and let you start all over again. Yeah, and that's a, that's a whole other, no, no, I mean, that's a whole other study on its own, right? The yeah. nature of the sacrament and yeah. uh, remission of sins and all those sorts of things. 
I, I, uh, I love a study of the Holy Ghost. I am still learning always a lot about the Holy Ghost, about how to feel impressions from the Holy Ghost, yeah. how to how yeah. to how to feel God's love with us always, and the Holy Ghost helps us do those things. I mean, how I like what you referenced about the baptism because yeah, it's so often you get up there. Someone gives a talk, and they direct it to the baptismal candidate, even though they're not supposed to, and <laughs> it's supposed to be for everybody, and they, they talk about the usual stuff. I'm a, I'm a baptismal service snob. I'm sorry. The manual <laughs> the said— thing, yeah. The manual said— <laughs> Touche. Touche. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Holy Ghost is—it's strong. There's some— Amazing stuff there. I feel like I have so much more to learn about the Holy Ghost. I know this great, could be four I'm... lessons, Jeff. This not not just one. This this lesson. Yeah. So that's sort of the gist of this lesson. You deal with these principles. Uh, there's some great supplemental material. I really encourage you to go mm-hmm. over to history.lds.org and find the church history study guide. And uh, you can look by lesson, actually, and find some interesting supplemental stuff. Like, there's a story we didn't talk about here, a guy named James Coville, who's actually in Doctrine and Covenants 39 and 40. Uh, anyway, long story short, he did not exercise faith. He feared the world more uh, than staying with the church and uh, and giving up all that he had to serve it. Uh, oh, and we didn't even talk about the repentance as medicine part. That right. was quick, but that was interesting, too. <laughs> You have to give the right dosage. You have to do it correctly, otherwise you're going to mess things up. So well, we'll, we'll tease the audience to go check it out on their own. Yeah. So. There's some worthwhile stuff there. Make more of your lessons and get in there and get it done. Kurt, I would love to thank you for being here, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, I'm going <laughs> to... I would love to, to say you're welcome, but uh, I, I'm, I'm always glad to be here in the Sunday School Bonanza world, and I hope you invite me back, Jeff. Oh, we will. I think the people need you all the time. <laughs> right. It has to happen. So uh, Kurt's over at LeadingLDS.org, where you can do all things church leadership. He's built himself quite the little quite the little uh, fiefdom over there. It's an there, empire, so. Jeff, an empire. Okay, it's an empire. Fine, it's an empire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fiefdom. And join us at ThisWeekInMormons.com. If you haven't heard this podcast before, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you want. It's there, and you can find it. And we hope you will spend time on our website and our Facebook pages, respectively. We both have them. So seek those out and join the conversation. That's going to be it. Once again, this is lesson number seven, the first principles and ordinances of the gospel from Church History and Doctrine and Covenants for Gospel Doctrine. So for Kurt, by Kurt. See ya. I'm Jeff. And uh, we'll talk to you later on Sunday School Bonanza. Bye-bye. <laughs>